0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to have is that you
0: didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in What's going on NBA draft fans your boys are back the wolves of ball street your favorite draft analyst favorite draft analyst Your friends from the draft deck NBA draft show on the no ceilings NBA podcast feed. My name is Corey tulba and I am here as always with my co-host And good friend Albert garbage time. Gim. Albert. How are we doing today?
1: Uh, My physical body isn't doing great got a little bit of a cold um It's not COVID, though, so if you guys are worried about that, I don't have that, but did catch some sort of cold. Uh, But other than that, my mind is bright and aware and excited (laughs) to be here, and uh, I'm ready to rock. Which is a good thing because
0: um, we need your insight because you took a scouting trip recently. And before we get into our little game where we uh, select a five-man team based off of the uh, draft DAC stock market prices that we set for um, the players last week I want to hear about your your scouting trip out to see the UCLA men's basketball team because there's a, a good number of prospects that were in that game and you were there up close uh, you took a Video of Amari Bailey shooting a jump shot that has surpassed 300,000 views on TikTok, which is uh, pretty dope. Follow us on TikTok at No Ceilings NBA. And uh, yeah. So where do you want to start? Because there are a number of guys on that UCLA team that are, are interesting
1: scouting uh, dudes. I think we can kind of wrap two guys into one um, by talking about the, the new incoming players in terms of Adem Bona and uh, Amari Bailey. They were pretty damn interesting to watch. Mm. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's talk about
0: Amari Bailey. First, we mentioned him, uh, the jump shot. A a lot of people were surprised that he cut his hair. That was a a big talking point on TikTok. Um, but what was it about Bailey that you either liked or, or didn't like? And I guess we should say, did you, what did you like him? Um, any more or less after after viewing him because that's somebody you wrote about and you've been high on.
1: Yeah, um I I don't want to say that I like him less, but I did start to see more of the critiques and areas of concern that I think other people have had about him. Obviously, I had Bailey much higher than others and 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 I also do think situationally there at UCLA, he is going to be in an interesting situation where I don't think Mick Cronin's going to trust him enough for him to be making a ton of decisions on his own as a playmaker on the ball. But I think it is going to be more of a shared role that he's going to be playing with Tiger Campbell and Jaime Akes Jr. in terms of the creation aspect, because one of the things that I wrote about Bailey in my preseason thing about him was that I'm actually high on his passing. I think he's going to be a good passer and he's going to show eventually in time, more flashes of, that passing. The only issue is uh, the situation that he's in there at UCLA. And from what I saw, even from that night uh, on Friday night, watching them play live, uh, he's not going to get the lion's share of the creation uh, on that team. So I I think to answer your question, Corey, I think I still like Bailey a lot, but uh, there were certain, certain things that I saw that had me a little bit lower on him now than I was about a week ago.
0: Yeah, I, oh, I know he's, I because I liked his passing flashes too and going and watching the pre-college stuff, but the playmaking uh, is something he struggled with early on as far as balancing, like making plays and then making the right decision. He's He's been pretty turnover prone early on. Uh, but, you know, uh, for point guards, it's hard jumping up levels and you have the ball in your hands and you're making those decisions and you're adjusting to the speed and the talent and the physicality. So, you know, it's nothing to panic about this early on in the season. It's just something to look out for as we progress. What did you think of his his shot? Because it's um, another point of emphasis for him that is, I, I think, going to determine, you know, where his potential is.
1: Uh, I think the best way for me to kind of characterize where his shooting—well, not care—but to define kind of where his shooting is right now is uh, he's a, he's a bit of ways away right now as a shooting. The best way to put it is that his jumper needs a good amount of work. Uh, even in the videos that I posted, of, you know, of Bailey shooting in warmups, you can see that there are some moving pieces uh, to his shot. Things are not super compact or uh, super clean right now. Uh, but overall, though, the thing that I did want to say is there is a a spirit of aggression that he has that I also wrote about in my preseason thing that I got to see up, up close in person where there is a desire for him to get shots up. Um, he's not shy about it. He does try to get to the basket as well and use his athleticism and his physicality to finish over even larger guys as well. So that part I did enjoy. But in terms of the shooting specifically, I think he's going to have to just be he's just gonna have to trap himself lock himself up in a gym over the summer heading into the draft and just put up a trillion shots per day because i think the the base and the foundation can be there i don't think by any means his shot is broken at all i think it's a matter of reps and practice and with reps and practice i think he can be a very good shooter but where he is right now he does need a good amount of work
0: yeah i uh I can't wait to, to see how that part of his game develops as we, we go through the year, because I, you know, there's little things that are functionally slightly off, but it's nothing damaging or, or broken. And if there's one thing that we know about NBA teams that, you know, they're going to work on shots with these guys and, and get them to a passable level. Now, the other question marks with his game is if he gets a shot to a passable even good level is that enough to you know kind of i guess work around any of his other shortcomings so so that's something that we'll be looking out for a guy i'm very interested in is a dem uh, a Dembona because he's somebody that i am a little bit cautious of one just given his role uh uh f- the rawness that You know, we've seen this movie before with Peyton Watson last year with a a really athletic, raw, you know, kind of big guy. I didn't necessarily always love watching him at prolific. You know, Trey White was the guy who always like caught my attention in a a good way there. And I felt like Bona, even though he he would pop every once in a while. I I had questions of. Is he always on the floor? Like, I didn't always feel him. Um, I, you know. I've heard that he had really impressive moments in the overseas stuff, um, which I didn't watch. I'm familiar with this film just from Prolific and like all star games and stuff. So give me your impression of him, man. One. What does he look like physically up close?
1: Uh, Physically, he's gigantic. Um, he looks every bit of like six nine, six ten. Uh, great frame on him. Arms are gigantic. Shoulders are huge. Good chest on the guy. Um, so physically, he looks great. In warm ups, he got off the floor really easily. He's got some actually decent like vertical pop to him, um, especially like with a running start. He, he can really get up. But even like uh, flat footed, he can get up pretty quickly, which I was impressed by. Uh, but Corey what you said in terms of your evaluation from him at prolific was essentially what I saw in person at UCLA. So that was actually Bona's first game of the season. Uh, he he had missed the first game. So he came in for, for the second game, got, got the start and everything, but um, he struggled a little bit with fouls. He um, was a little bit of foul trouble early on. Uh, I think raw is a great way to describe where he's at right now. Um, overall in the like the very like I don't know for most of the game it was hard to feel his presence so um I think you're really accurate in saying that because a lot of times I've watching the game and he would be on the floor and I had no idea he was on the floor and also it could be a part of like the way that UCLA was running things I don't know they you know uh, the way that Jalen Clark was playing defensively the types of steals and runouts that they were getting maybe that's why also I didn't feel him in the beginning but overall Corey, I I really do agree with your evaluation of him because I think – so in my opinion, he might be a two-year guy is how I feel right now uh, because of how raw he is. But the tools are there. And the way that he was practicing or, sorry, warming up was really good. He was really into it. He was getting really aggressive. All the post-up stuff, I, you know, I shot some of it. He was, like, really getting into it, getting after it, trying to be aggressive and trying to take all those reps very seriously. So that is good. But um, in terms of his development, I think – a second year might do him well, but who knows, you know, maybe he just explodes over the course of this first year. And then, you know, he goes on to the NBA, but just from what I saw in night one, um, I think uh, raw is a really good word to describe where he's at.
0: Now you mentioned that he's, you know, had some foul trouble. And I think when you're conversely looking at big men, when we were talking about like Amari Bailey might be struggle with decision-making because of the speed of the game, a lot of times young bigs get into foul trouble uh, do you think his foul trouble was more of a like him being over aggressive or him just being like a step late on rotations and kind of adjusting to the speed of the game? Like, where do you think he, he was struggling on the defensive side of the ball to where he did end up being a little over eager, overzealous, and, and picking up some fouls?
1: Uh, In my opinion, unfortunately, it was a mix of both, Mm. where it was his first game. I think he really wanted to prove himself. I think he wanted to live up to, you know, his standing as like, you know, a highly touted uh, new guy. So he was definitely trying to be aggressive, but also... Corey, he was late on some stuff. And, and it, overall, like, the speed of the game was something that you could feel that he was trying to catch up to. I think some rust might have been involved with him, you know, it being his first game, whatever. Uh, uh, Mick Cronin was really on him a couple times, just absolutely shouting in his face. And the, 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 the resounding thought in my mind all night long was, wow, like, the Mick Cronin experience as a player must be not the easiest because he is shouting in their faces and pointing in their faces so i was like i almost <laughs> felt bad for some of the kids but um Corey, i i think it was a mix of both where yeah he was he was a little overzealous at times you know because it was his first game but also just the speed of the game i think he was catching up just a little bit
0: yeah i i, I think where you said he might be a two-year guy i could see that outcome i could also see like him Really impressing in an empty gym and pre-draft workouts, and you know, some team either at the end of the first or in the second, you know, gives him a look just based on his profile. Maybe thinking, why let him play a second year in in college when we can get him in our G League program and let him develop with our staff in our system and and see what we have on him? But I could see either outcome with him. So finally, I think the last draft prospect that we have from for, from UCLA. Is our is our guy, Jami Haquez Jr., who uh, you know, we have some skeptics at no ceilings, um, with, with Jaime, but we were we were fans of him last year. We even dedicated an episode to him uh on the old draft act feed. So how did Jaime look?
1: Uh he looked like an NBA player. Yeah. Is uh how I wanna put it, Corey. He was extremely mature. He was never pressing. He was never sped up. Uh, he knew exactly what he was doing at all times, and he looked very comfortable with what he was being asked to do. Uh, the shooting range looks like it's like very comfortably extended out to three-point range now. He puts them up really comfortably. It looks fantastic. Uh, the rotation on his jump shot looks absolutely picturesque. Um, I really do think he's going to become a high-level shooter. Um, now, obviously, I'm not saying he's going to be an elite, elite shooter, but he's really going to be able to shoot the ball. Uh, his physicality has held up. He looks uh, just as strong as he did last year. Uh, his upper body, fantastic. He played really hard. He, he he's he's he showed some more growth. I, he already did last year, but even more growth with the ball in his hands. Just he just looks extremely comfortable. Even you know hunting his own shot. None of it looks forced none of it looks uncomfortable for him at all i really enjoyed it some of the passing that he was doing as well just overall just felt like it literally just felt like i was watching an nba player play with college guys um and and i'm not even saying like he's some superstar that i'm gonna have going in the top 10 but he was really really good and uh one of my favorite guys to watch
0: i mean he's a senior he's played in big games he knows the system in and out. He knows the speed of the game. And he's a guy like, you know, you see like him checking Paul George and summer workouts. So, I mean, I think when you get to scrimmage with guys like, you know, Paul George and all those guys who are going to those runs and you're guarding them, it's like, you know, somebody from whoever the fuck state university, you know, that you're checking up. It's like, yeah, it's a little bit of drop off in talent there, but I think that Jaime is like one of those guys where you're just going to be like the Grizzlies drafted him and he's playing rotation minutes right away and he's helping them win. And like, he's playing off Jaws so seamlessly and he's connecting and moving the ball and both like, he's just one of those guys. Like he, he's one of those guys that get passed up on for somebody who you're betting on a talent late when the more likely outcome is that Jaime is going to be like a guy who could help you versus, you know, the home run swing. He might be, you know, a single, but that single might drive in a run. It might not just be him getting on base. He might be, you know, driving in a run there. So I, I can't wait to to watch the entirety of the UCLA team because I love the mix of young guys and veterans that they have. And I think that's going to be one of the interesting things to to monitor as we move forward.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Like, really quickly before we wrap on this, I did want to say watching Hawkes, it did remind me of, like, Quentin Grimes going after Kai Jones. You know that type of thing. Like yeah. it's it, it's going to be one of those where he's going to be an NBA contributor, maybe possibly from day one, and teams are just going to pass up on him because of exactly what you said, right? One of these high ceiling guys, low floor guys. Um, did want to say though, Corey, just before like you know we totally wrap on this part. I I feel like UCLA watching that team. One of my concerns for them is uh their backup bigs behind Bona, um their bigs behind Bona are not great. Uh, mm. it was. Pretty rough to watch, to be honest. Um, so you know, when we think long term, like you know, tournament type of long term, yeah. their their lack of dependable bigs behind Bona is gonna be a concern, especially if he's gonna be in foul trouble. And um the last thing that I want to say is I really, really, really like Jalen Clark a lot. Um, he legitimately looks and feels like an NBA level defender. Um, right now the stuff that he was doing with his length and anticipation and um, just like his he just knew where to be always and it was fantastic and it looks like he's definitely grown as a shooter as well from what I saw in warm-ups and in the game so I, I'm not saying he's going to be like a, a guy that gets drafted for sure but he might like if he keeps this yeah. up he legitimately might be like a early second round. Maybe, I mean, if all goes well late first, I don't see that. I think he could be a second round guy, though, and a guy that NBA teams actually don't feel bad about drafting because of his size and his length and his defense. He's
0: got 13 steals through three games. <laughs>
1: He had four or five the night I went. So it was pretty insane.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He had four the night you went. He had seven the night prior. He's got a couple of blocks. He's got nine assists. Like he's definitely a, maybe we should keep an eye on what's happening here. Type of guy. All right. um, Let's take a quick break and then we will get into uh, a fun exercise. Okay, we are back, and, um, you know, I didn't want to cover a prospect in depth this week because we do have college basketball back, but it's early, and the games are, you know, cupcake schedules right now, and um, it feels a little bit early to just go really in depth on a guy that we're probably going to want to cover later on as well. So what I thought we would do, is piggybacking off of last week when we broke down the top 40 prospects, uh, based on their draft stock, uh, that we, we put up on no ceilings, When we release that, we always have a graphic with a build your team, uh, for $15 where we, we go through different tiers and you get $15 and you can you know, go through different combinations to build your team. I thought it would be fun to do that exercise live and kind of break down some of these guys just with short little brief breakdowns based on what we saw early on so far. So I'm going to give you the five tiers, uh, the prices, and for anyone following along at home, you are more than welcome to build your own team and uh, respond to us with your own team. So, in the $5 blue chip tier, we have Victor Wembanyama, who we have exiled from this exercise because I think we would both pick Victor pretty e- easily here. Uh, so, we were not going to be able to use Victor, but Victor is in the blue chip tier. We have Scoot Henderson, Amen Thompson, Nick Smith Jr., and Cam Whitmore. In the $4 large cap tier, we have Dariq Whitehead, Asar Thompson, Keontae George, dylan mitchell and jairus walker in the three dollar growth tier we have derek lively casem wallace khalil ware anthony black and brandon miller in the two dollar international tier we have ryan Rupert, arthur kaluma tyrese proctor nicola Jarišić, and leonard miller and in the one dollar penny stock tier we have marcus sasser chris livingston grady dick Jet Howard and Deron Holmes. Again, these tiers were built off of the stock price that these prospects opened up on, based on the you know conglomeration of media outlets and where they had them on their boards. So, Albert, I'm going to let you go first. You had $15. You couldn't take Victor Wembanyama. Who did you take at your price points to get to $15?
1: Okay, so first off, I exercised some financial responsibility by saving a dollar. Wow! Um, I spent fourteen bucks and I saved a dollar um, by, you know, you know, I don't know. I I just want to hold an extra <laughs> dollar just in case. Um, so here we go. My five dollar guy I took Scoot Henderson. Okay. Uh, my four dollar guy I took Jerris Walker. Uh, my $3 guy, and I don't feel great about this, but I wanted a center, and I don't know why, so I took Khalil Ware. Mm-hmm. And then I took two $1 guys in Grady Dick and Jed Howard was it. what I did. And then I have a dollar extra to grab someone else later on if I need, <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right, so uh, I love
0: that you were fiscally responsible because, who knows, maybe... <laughs> you can carry that dollar over for the next time we do this exercise at the next update. <laughs> um, I did spend $15. I didn't take any $5 tier players.
1: Oh okay.
0: yeah. So, uh, my, I took two, $4 tier players. I took Jarrus Walker. So we have overlap there and I took Keontae George. Nice. I took two, $3 tier players. I took Brandon Miller and I took Lowe Ware. And then I took one $1 player, and I took Marcus Sasser. So we have a little bit of overlap, which I expected. Honestly, I probably expected a little bit more overlap, so I'm pretty happy with this outcome. We have Jarrus Walker and Khalil Ware, so we have the same uh, front court. Why did you take both of those guys?
1: Um, well, first off, I took Ware because the more I watch Ware, the more I'm like, well this guy is interesting um, is the resounding thought that I keep having as I watch him play. Do I feel like I love him? No. Yeah. Uh, do I feel like I love <laughs> Derek Lively either? No, but there's something in my gut and Corey, I won't even lie, dude. I, I, probably a big part of it is because you're the one who told me to go back and watch more wear. So maybe that's why I feel this way, but I like wear. like I, I like, I like how he moves. And I think that's important. Right, the fluidity to his game. Not that I don't like how lively moves, but there's something about where that I like. But I also like this pairing of where and Jerris Walker, just mm-hmm. because Jerris Walker is going to be the Mister Do It All on my squad. He's going to be a guy who is going to be able to. Give Scoot a breather once in a while by creating for him. He's going to be a defensive stalwart for us, like absolutely one of the pillars of our de- of our team defensively. He's going to be able to score more than enough, you know, for us to support the rest of the squad. So I just felt like putting him next to Khalil Ware, where if Ware gets into foul trouble and I need to play Walker at the five, I can afford to do that. Um, but also them together on the floor, like Walker with his playmaking and passing and ball handling with a guy like Ware. like, what if they just run big, big pick and roll? Like, that's fun. I'm very excited. that. In that. that is fun. I so, like that. Yeah. That's why I went <laughs> ahead with those two guys.
0: Yeah. I very similarly. And I think with Khalil Ware, I, I feel like he's moving a lot more fluidly consistently and seeing that. And again, like I, this is something that you see with young guys, man. It, sometimes just out of nowhere it clicks like th- that's how fast development happens w- at when you go from like high school to the next level or even you know junior to senior year sometimes we see it you know freshman year to, to sophomore year for returners like at this age sometimes things just click and it, you just jump up a level uh with Kloware, I feel like his movement like he had some nice possessions out on the perimeter and I think what people our underselling with him a little bit is he's fucking huge. He is huge, man. And when he contests shots and he uses the, the full length of that reach, it's really, really tough to get a clean look off of him. He had good moments in the pick and roll. There's this beautiful uh, possession where he, he was in a drop, uh, played the cat and mouse, the the guard um, kept the ball and, he just swatted it, like the layup, Um, just swallowed it up. There was another possession on the perimeter where he switched onto a guard, forced him into a tough shot, which I think ended up in an air ball. His closeouts, he got his hands on a couple. And again, this competition is not the greatest competition in the world that he's playing. And and a lot of these guys are going to get wake-up calls very, very soon on that talent level. But I thought that he he displayed some stuff. Uh, a couple of passing flashes, the offense in and out, which um I'm expecting, especially because, you know, I don't think he has NBA level, high, high level playmaking with that Oregon team. And I think at the NBA level, he's going to be a guy that you set up like his his role is he's going to be a dive man, a pick and pop guy, very simple actions. So I'm not too concerned with anything more than just like consistent. NBA level flashes from him this year, but the defense is stuff that he is going to have to prove. And so far he has, so we'll see what happens when he plays tougher guys, but I liked what I've seen so far. And you know, for $3, I I think fitting him in there with no one is, is good value. Jarris. uh, I think he's shown what we, what we've known for a while. You know, I I think he's going to have inconsistent scoring outputs this year, but Houston doesn't, need nor want him to be a big time scorer Uh, they want him to be a defensive destroyer and just a a cog of their offense that's what they want from him and that's what he's gonna do he had he did have a 23 point game he knocked down a couple of threes and uh, I think that offensive role will expand as the season goes on and he gets more comfortable but he's just defensively he he's everything you want that Houston team is nasty. They're just nasty people on a basketball court. And, uh, I just, I, I'm so excited. He's the guy I'm most excited for to, to keep watching this year, especially because, you know, for me, uh, I got my, my $1 value out of Marcus Sasser, who mm-hmm. I'm taking as well. And, uh, for my point of attack defense there and, uh, also shooting to, you know, cause Chloe, Ware is a theoretical shooter and Marcus Sa- and, uh, Jarris Walker is a shooter that, you know, I'll, I don't mind him shooting when he's open, but no one's going to call him a knockdown guy. I needed a knockdown guy. And I got his partner uh, in, in Marcus Sasser for a dollar. He's considered a penny stock. But as you know, I called out last week. I think there's a shot. My hot take was he's going to be a lottery pick, which I might look, you know, very foolish on later in the year, but that's my hot take. It's early in the year and mm-hmm. and I'm throwing him out there. So I, that was my, my first backcourt guy. Mm. You went with Scoot Henderson, which mm-hmm. is a you know uh, obviously incredible decision on your part.
1: <laughs> oh God! Have we you been watching?
0: Have you been watching any of the the Scoot stuff lately?
1: <laughs> I, I've been trying. I have been trying. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie and say I've seen all of it, but no, I definitely have seen some of it. And um, Corey, it's I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, I feel like. You know, we talked about how this might be the G League Knights, like, worst roster in terms of talent overall. Mm -hmm. And the more I watch them play, the more I agree with you. But also, it gets me excited because I feel like this is the team that Scoot needed for him to continue to grow and to flash all of his game. Like, recently, he had that 16 assist game. Very nice. That's really really nice right like you want that but also like the thing that i've enjoyed cory is that he is not being shy about putting up the mid-range and the three-point jump shots um i want him to continue to do it like that's something we you've you know we've both harped on for so long for a lot of these prospects is get the shots up dude that's the only way we can really see where you're actually at is for you to be be courageous man have have you yeah. know Do it. Put the shots up. And I like that he's doing it. I like that he's creating. Metcalf wrote a great piece about his playmaking, which I 100% agree on that. Yeah. (laughs) And for us, Corey, we talked about it as well. The, The processing speed of that guy, of Scoot Henderson, and the things that he could do with the ball in his hands in terms of creating for others, the nuance, the timing, all that stuff fantastic so for me grabbing scoot there i know he's expensive at five dollars but i have no problem because i ended up with the second and third guy on my big board on my squad and uh i feel great about it you know especially with scoot you could
0: have paid six dollars for scoot oh you're right (laughs) (laughs) you were fiscally responsible but no he's worth every penny man and what's I, i mean so impressive about him i think he's been three of the last four games, he's been over 25 points and the game that he was under, I think was the 16 assist game. Right. So he's still gen- He's generating a fuck ton of points. He's playing with so much pace. Uh, our, our guy Mojave King coming along. He's had some, he's, he's looking pretty good. He's looking pretty good. He's very interesting. Uh, keep him on your radar, but scoot is the perfect guy for a guy like that because he's made every pass in the book. I, I, his playmaking is so damn impressive. And when I watched him last year that stood out. Um, And when I wrote about him earlier this year uh, over the summer, some of the decisions and reads that he made as a 17 year old, like it's not even like all of these reads are stuff that like is new to his bag. He was making some of these reads last year as a 17 year old pro. So imagine like when he has seen everything, there is to see. And he's 23 or 24. Imagine the control of the offense that he's going to have. Because it's so rare for a guy who's that athletic to be able to control the pace this early in their career and not want to go 100 miles an hour all the time and learn how to play at different speeds and know where different guys are on the floor. And sometimes he's making these incredible passes because he's able to make like improvisational reads at the last second. But a lot of times he's setting that up and he's, he's fooling the defense and using his athletic tools to leverage all of these passing windows. So he is just a special, special player. And like for him, you know, and and we talk about this with Ahmed Thompson a little bit, like no, one's going to be able to stay in front of him. Right. So he's always going to be able to leverage these opportunities, even if the shot doesn't drop and he doesn't have a consistency with that shot. But the difference is with him versus Amen. in my opinion is that I trust his shot way more, both now and in the future, he's already been proficient in the mid range. And, you know, so even if he never extends that range out to the three point line, at least he has that in between area covered. Um, But as that continues to grow, he's going to be unguardable. He is going to be unguardable. He does the things on the defensive side of the ball. So, $6, $6, throw your extra dollar, give Scoot a bonus.
1: <laughs> if I can really quickly, Corey, I just want to piggyback off of what you said. You said that you, you just said that he's proven himself in the mid range. Of course he has. He continues to take those shots and they go in. And I love the way that his shot goes in. Is that even a thing, Corey? I don't know. Um, for me, it's like the Most way that definitely. The ball, Yeah, right. The way that the ball goes in when he shoots is so pure. And it's like, damn, like I love that. But the biggest thing is going back to when he played against Victor in those games before he got hurt but in that first game the intensity and the dog in him right that everyone wants to talk about he's got that dog in him he absolutely one trillion percent has it which makes me believe Corey. if he if he's putting up the volume now in the g league and he has that type of competitive spirit then every part of me wants to believe that he's going to become a really good three-point shooter as well like he's just He wants it more. He's going to figure it out. He absolutely has the drive to become a better player. And you've just mentioned it. Look at his growth from 17 to 18 in the G League. he's, He's grown right before our eyes. So to think about that type of growth and the desire that he has, I think, with where he is as a shooter already from the mid-range, I think he's going to become a good three-point shooter. Like I I I just have to believe it considering all that I've seen from him as a competitor and the mecha- mechanics I think are there too. I think he's going to be a good shooter. So, did want to throw that in there just because I think that's a big part of his evaluation as well. The kid just really cares, which I think is important.
0: Yeah. Caring and and giving a shit is most definitely important. He has all of the intangibles. So it's like, he's so talented, but he also has the intangibles. And that's what makes him rare, right? Like, is he generational? I don't know. I I think the the bar for guard play is so high. Uh, SGA right now is doing just truly miraculous things on the court. (laughs) Like, it's that one will haunt me to the grave where I was like, that guy was selected exactly where he should have been. And it's like, wrong. <laughs> wrong. Uh, <laughs> that guy is unbelievable. It. So like the, yeah. I, I mean, we saw Darius Garland. What do you have a 27.4th quarter or something? Yeah. Like, uh, John Morant is averaging a million points in a million assists a game. The, the barrier for guard play right now, it's so high. It's so high. So I, am I saying, do I think Scoot is generational? I don't know. I think that we might be entering a generational crop of guard play more than anything else, but he is easily worth the number one pick in most other drafts. So uh, you cannot fault spending every bit of that five dollars on Scoot Henderson.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. We've got some great guards.
0: All right, you uh, you also took Grady Dick mm-hmm. for for your backcourt
1: and Jed Howard. Well, yeah, backcourt. Yeah, know. yeah.
0: yeah. For your wings, your, your yeah. wingy guys, um, what was it about Grady Dick and Jed Howard uh, bes- besides the value of them being uh, listed at a dollar with their draft stock right now? Because I think Jed Howard's draft stock is going to drastically change um, mm-hmm. in the next update. We'll see with Grady Dick, but he had quite the debut for himself. So where were you at with Grady Dick before the season started and where are you with him now?
1: Um, I think where I'm at with Grady Dick hasn't changed that much. I think his role is very much defined. I think he's going to be a great catch-and-shoot shooter from three. I think he's going to be relied upon to be a sniper from the outside who potentially maybe could do a little bit more. But his main role is, hey, dude, hit be good off coming screens, and when you get your opportunities, hit your open shots, like shoot the crap out of the three ball. And I think he's done that so far, and I think he will continue to do that. So I think for me, my evaluation is pretty much the same. I think I have him in my 20s. Um, And then Jed Howard, I think so. The reason why I went with these two guys, Corey, was the rationale is, okay, I have my big who's going to dive to the hoop, and then I have Scoot and Jarris who are going to be elite-level passers. Well, let me pair them with some you know wing shooters who are going to be able to cash in on those opportunities that Scoot and Jarris are going to create. So that's why I went with Howard and Dick. Obviously Dick is the better shooter, but I think Howard's going to be a good shooter as well. And he's got good wing size and I think he's going to be continue to grow as a defender as well. So yeah, I think that was my rationale. I just wanted to put two cheap low end dollar shooters um, with some great creators on my squad.
0: Yeah. And I think that jet and uh, Grady Dick both have some passing juice too right? Like they, they're uh, jets shown some stuff in the pick and roll Uh, outside of him, like catching fire in a couple of games. He's shown some stuff like not high level, like weak side hits necessarily, but like definitely being able to make pocket passes smoothly, softly. And he's fucking huge. He's a big dude, big boy. Like he looked, I mean, he looked big at IMG. Um, but he, he looks really big now. Uh, I think I'm a little higher now on Grady Dick than I am. I, I was preseason. I think he chose the perfect team for, for him. The, the supporting cast. I don't want to say it's the supporting cast, but the the roster that they have in Kansas is v- they just complement each other so so well. um Very unselfish guys. A lot of guys who could play multiple positions and play on or off the ball. So I, I think. Grady Dick not being relied upon to be that Gatorade player, the national Gatorade player of the year, where it's like, is can this guy be the best player and you know on his team offensively and carry that load I, I think the pressure is off of him to do that because he has so many other weapons all around, and now he can just find himself perfectly in like you said, a defined role and focusing on his strengths and not necessarily hiding his weaknesses, but his weaknesses aren't as apparent as they might be if, you know, he was the number one guy on some other school where it was like, his role is so defined as the number one guy. And he has to be the guy who is creating all of his offense for the team. Otherwise the team has no shot. Like there's definitely a first round case for him. And uh, I mean, if the shooting, if he's around 40%, he's definitely going to get top 20 looks, um, you know, as we approach June Uh, for me, Swinging back to my team, I have Keontae George at four dollars and Brandon Miller at three dollars, and um, I was I so happily took Keontae George at four dollars because he has been everything I thought he could be. You know, we we covered Keontae early on with uh, our guy Laro who hopped on. Uh, shout out to Laro and uh his new venture at Switch theory i just think that he has the total package offensively as a scorer and now through three games i believe he's got 20 assists and he's showing the playmaking stuff i mean if he's going to be a guy that could be around four to five assists per game this year on top of his potential where I think, you know, he's going to be a 20 plus point per game scorer in the NBA who's shooting around 40% on high volume on tough looks and can also D up at the point of attack. And because he's got such a good frame body up and maybe guard up a spot or two. Oh boy. He is, he'll live up to the hype. And so far again, it's against not the, the, the best competition that he's going to face all year. So let's see if that playmaking translates as the competition jumps, but the looks that he's made, he's been doing it consistently. Whereas we saw flashes here and there of him doing it at IMG. He's done it consistently through three games. I think you've seen more of the playmaking stuff as a total consistent package than you did most of the time when he was at IMG, but man, that kid on or off the ball next to whoever and Flagler and Keontae is going to be my favorite backcourt. Um, of the year and uh, heading to the YouTube chat for those watching live. D Jones says as a Nick fan, I'm starting to look at the draft. Now I would love Keontae at the two. Um, we'll see if the, the Knicks are going to be in position for Keontae George. I don't, I think they're going to win too many games to uh, be in position to, to draft him, but you can never go wrong with that kind of shooting and, you know, offensively him and Jalen Brunson would be a fun pairing together next to each other. A lot of Knicks fans probably would say if you're taking Keontae, you're probably giving up on the Emmanuel quickly experiment. And I don't think a, uh, a lot of Knicks fans feel that way quite yet, but uh, drafting Keontae for a team like the Knicks to me would signify a lot of changes because things get murky with then you have Quentin Grimes then you have RJ what do you do with quickly there'd be a lot of moving pieces with a guy like Keontae George for the Knicks but I what have you seen from Keontae early on that has you encouraged
1: um first off man the Knicks were in a really strange place so let's leave the Knicks out of this I I don't I I feel like Corey ultimately this Knicks roster is going to look pretty different in a couple of months it's how I feel it's not time
0: to panic There's a, they have a lot of assets there. Should they have gone in for Donovan Mitchell? Probably.
1: (laughs) I think we have like 10 tradable draft picks right now. So yeah, something's going to happen. And we have all these young guys and we've got Julie, all that. So a lot's going to happen. So Nick fans out there, just let's wait um, till we get to that time of the year. But overall with Keontae, um, I did watch his first game. I've been able to watch a little bit here and there, but I, it's, Corey, I think essentially Keontae went out there and was like, you know what? I'm going to make all my believers look really smart. Yeah. And it, it's fantastic. Like, I feel like all and I'm going to look,
0: that... I'm going to make all my haters like Tyler Metcalf look really, really <laughs> dumb. Known <laughs> hater, Tyler Metcalf.
1: Um, shouts to Tyler Metcalf for having him 97th on his board. <laughs> uh... <laughs> we're just, um... we're just kidding yeah we're just kidding we're only but by a but, couple. but we're serious <laughs> <laughs> just not kidding just not kidding um but okay so with Keontae I feel like he's doing everything that we said he was good at really well and then the things where we're like oh you know like he's shown flashes he's like cool I'm gonna take those flashes and just add them to my arsenal so like his playmaking I think what we talked about when we did his his pod we were like yeah like the kid he can pass but like we don't know what that's going to look like. Is he? And then he walks in and he's like averaging seven assists a game or something. So, um, good on you Keontae I'm really loving what I'm seeing so far obviously the kid's gonna play hard he's gonna shoot the ball really well and then if the if the playmaking continues to go in this trajectory then what 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 are we even talking about like we're he's gonna be a really high end guard that a lot of teams are very comfortably gonna be able to take in the top five and not even blink at it and he's gonna be a great great pick so um you know We have to go back to the comps that we made for him, and I think he very much could potentially become that type of player if things continue to go the way that they're going right now. And so, obviously, Corey, like we were saying, as a kind of uh, foundation for all the players right now, they're not playing against... The hardest competition, but hey, tough competition is on its way now. And uh, things are going to heat up a little bit. And I'm really excited to see how he continues to play and goes against, you know, as he goes against, you know, better and harder competition.
0: Another guy whose draft stock is about to heat up after his first couple of games. You wrote about him at noceilingsnba.com. Um I've had him, I think we both had him as top five guy before it was cool. We're talking about Brandon Miller from Alabama um, he has looked phenomenal you know his first game didn't shoot it well from behind the arc but put in 14 and 14 14 boards is some serious shit that you got to go and play hard for 14 boards unless you're Andre Drummond and they just come your way you just gobble them up which shout out to Andre Drummond been a pretty good piece for the Bulls this year second game knocked down four threes deep threes, off the bounce threes, catch and shoot threes. He's getting to his spots in the mid range. He's showing passing flashes defensively. He's playing hard. He's in the right spots. He's making guys work. He's doing everything I wanted him to do to not make me look insane for having him in the top five early on when he was a $3 piece in our exercise because he ended up at 15 on the draft stock market set by this conglomeration of boards. So man, this kid, this is another kid. Like if he keeps going and that shot making continues to evolve and the playmaking continues to evolve and he's knocking down three point shots and he's playing defense, uh, he's another guy. It's going to be hard to keep him out of the top five. So uh, this, the top of this draft is loaded, 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 man. Talk to me about Brandon Miller.
1: Corey, you and I, we don't like throwing the generational word out there a lot. But no, no. Considering the level of prospects that we have in this draft class, and if they all hit their 1% outcomes, this might be a generational draft the way that things are going. And Brandon Miller is just one example of that. He's a guy that you put me on to pretty early and I absolutely fell in love with his game. And then I decided to write an article about it and just absolutely nerd out about his game and house of dragon. And it was a lot of fun for me. And then I got to talk about him with Nick too, on the D- deep dive podcast. And he's been awesome, man. And, and I don't remember if it was Metcalf or Maxwell. I think it was one of the two who said in our group chat, he wasn't just taking threes. He was taking big boy threes. And that's yeah, Maxwell. It was Maxwell, right? He was shooting yeah. it from way outside. And that's the type of stuff that gets you excited because not only did he make them, but he took them, which is once again, very important because the willingness to shoot from out there, the confidence to shoot from out there is the type of stuff that you can get really excited about. And as you mentioned, Corey, to get 14 rebounds in a college game is not easy considering how long they're, they're playing, you know? So I think overall, man, if we consider all the different tools that he has, if we if we were to kind of like, I don't know, an analogy here would be like a baseball prospect where you get these what they call, quote unquote, five tool guys. Right. Brandon Miller, he's starting to kind of look like a five tool guy in this mm-hmm. draft class because there are so many different layers to his game and different things that he can do well that you start to put that together and you're like, wow, this is a supremely talented player. And not just because he does one thing well, but he does so many different things. Well, like I actually, I said the same thing on Nick's pod. I was talking about like the whole <laughs> layers and stuff. And, and I really believe that with Brandon Miller. the the, it the layers. What he said.
0: It's a great analogy too. Yeah, he's Yeah. He's not just like a guy who's going out there and looking for, you know, to score points and just go out and shoot tough jumpers. He's like looking to be a complete player out on the court. And, um, you know, that's an underappreciated skill when you're a high level prospect who you, you want to be a complete guy. And that's why he's drawing comparisons to a guy like Paul George, you know, like that you're going to get that when you're that size that you have different layers to your game and you're able to create for yourself and others and defend bunch of stuff like positions and, you're going to draw those comps and it's lofty expectations. And can he reach them? Who knows, but he's got a hell of a lot of potential to, to do it. And he, he's showing that. And again, the competition it's, you got to, you, you got to take that into account, but we're getting close. Um, You know, if you're watching this live, you should go to our Twitter and find the uh, link to the playback tonight and download the playback app and join us for the champions classic, which, uh, the no ceilings crew, we're going to be doing both games. We're going to be watching it and calling the games live on playback. And, uh, if you're listening to this, um, on your podcast feeds, then the champions classic already happened, which means that real deal college basketball games have started. So, uh, we're getting there. We're getting close. And the, we're going to start being able to nail down some of these evaluations a little bit more thoroughly. Uh, But to recap, we have Albert's team was Scoot Henderson at $5, Jarris Walker at $4, Kalea Ware at $3, Grady Dick at $1, and Jet Howard at $1. My team was Marcus Sasser at $1, Brandon Miller at $3, Kalea Ware at $3, and Jarris Walker and Keontae George at $4 each. So I had a lot of fun doing this. I think this is something we should do again during the, the next stock market mm-hmm. update uh, because we'll also have a lot more to say about these <laughs> prospects in an, in an yeah. update. And, and we'll see how much our teams change, especially because the values of these guys are going to right. be different. And that's going to allow us to try to find value in different guys uh, in that penny stock tier. But this was a fun one, man. So, yeah. Albert, tell the uh, tell the Internet where they could find you.
1: Um yeah you can find me at alberto gim uh alberto is spelled albert o e g h i m is my twitter handle where you find me i'm actually by the time that this pod drops on thursday right um i should be dropping another article another piece for our website oh, going to go. yeah, be writing about yeah going to be writing about caseen wallace from kentucky a guy that Um, I'm going to try really hard to sell Corey on. Not that Corey's out on him, but um, he's a guy that I think is very interesting because he's not super interesting, if that makes sense. Um, A lot of his game is very, it it might feel, it's not super flashy, but he's a very Mm -hmm. good player. So I really enjoyed him. And Corey, really quickly before we go, I didn't get to say um, anything on Sasser. I I didn't feel like you really got to talk about it much either, but um, so far, from what we've seen uh, with Houston and Sasser playing on that team. Well, I mean, he was on that team, but um, he looks phenomenal, dude. And I think your hot take is going to be one that we're going to have to pin somewhere and throw back in a couple of months because he's, he looks really damn good um, starting the season off. So I did want to throw that in there that you uh, looks like you might, you're going to have a really good clip there to play in a couple of months.
0: We'll see. He'll have to stay healthy and Houston's going to have to, you know, not get knocked out in like the first round or something of of the tournament. But I feel pretty, pretty decent about, you know, my hot take. Um, All right. You can uh, you can find me at Corey Tulliba on all the things. But instead of plugging all of the things, I want to shout out my guy Pee Wee the Plug and plug all his things because there it uh, is. I just did a podcast with my guy combo on the combos court podcast with, uh, Pierre. Uh, so you can go listen to that. We did like a, a 14 pick mock draft where we went back and forth and, uh, Pierre just is the realest dude ever, man. And he used his time on that show, uh, not to plug himself, uh, but to plug no ceilings. And, um, so make sure you go follow Pee Wee to plug on Twitter, on YouTube, through the wire on youtube through the wire the podcast uh and because they are the uh the the dopest dudes ever we got to hang out with them a little bit in vegas for summer league and um those guys have been like og supporters uh, of my stuff of no ceilings and uh, they're as real deal as it gets just the coolest most down-to-earth dudes. so shout out to pierre Wee to plug uh, go go there and uh, go to noceilingsmba.com. You can find all of our stuff. Make sure you tune in to the No Ceilings NBA draft show uh, on Friday following us for Tyler and & Tyler. And uh, Nathan will be back on Monday with Draft Deeper. So we got five daily shows, daily content at noceilingsmba.com. It's all free. Make sure you head there, subscribe, like, rate, all of the fun stuff. Until next time, we are out. Peace. Peace.